So in our, our series, Running With the Giants, we're looking at the lives of some of the, what we call giants of the Bible, um, people that just made a huge impact on the world around them. And what we're doing is looking at to see what we can apply to our own lives today. Now, now we want you to imagine that, that we're in kind of a stadium. I mean, the Olympics are going right now. I'm, like, I record them all and watch them. And, um, you know, we're going to have people uh, running around. So imagine yourself running laps uh, around the track, like, like, but it's your life. You're running the, the, the race of your life, and there's people in the stands cheering you on. And they're rooting for you and saying, go, go, you know, you can do it. Well, these people that we're talking about, um, they all, uh, in our series, they, they, you know, all died like many, 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 many years ago. But we believe that they're watching us run around the track of our life and that they're cheering us on. Uh, rooting for us to make it. And we get that from Hebrews chapter 1. I just want to read you. This is our, uh, the theme scripture for the whole series. And, and, and this is what uh, Paul wrote here in Hebrews. We have all these great people, the types of people we're talking about, around us as examples. Their lives tell us what faith means. So we too should run the race that is before us and never quit. So I think about the guy we're looking at today. I'm reminded of an event in my life that kind of applies to this. Maybe you can relate to this, especially if you're a guy. Just kind of guys do this, I think, a little more often. My family's on a road trip years ago. We're heading to visit some close, dear friends of ours in Virginia. And so we're driving, and the, and the route's really simple. Take I-10 a few hundred miles to New Orleans, then Interstate 59, different from Texas Highway 59, but Interstate 59 a few hundred miles, and, and we get there in a while. And so I'm just driving along. And I glanced at the map, you know, and, I, and I'm driving, doing my thing. Well, as we're getting closer to New Orleans, Lori says, uh, honey, you're going to need to take this turn. And I'm like, no, 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 that doesn't say 59. We, we keep going on this. She goes, no, no, there's an I-10 split there here, and the I-12 and 10. And, of course, I'm not listening. <laughs> I'm like, I got this, you know, just, you know, babe, hush, I got this, you know. And so she says, Okay, and I kept going my own way, and we'll tell you more of that story in just a little bit, but have you ever done that? Have you ever decided you knew the direction to go, whether it was driving like me or something else in life, but you, you know, you just, you said, I got this, you know, and part of you kind of was wanting to control and not have anybody tell you what to do, and uh, applying this to how we live life, you could say, um, have, have you or do you drive through your life with your hands on the wheel and, and you can say you're driving with, through life on your own terms? Now, the guy we have coming out of the stands to, to run the lap with us today, I think I forgot that part. We're imagining in our series that these folks, are, one of them is going to come and run a lap with us and tell us some stuff. And uh, so the guy that's that, we're, that, that we're going to take today, he's uh, totally done exactly what Ed is describing. He is, um, as a matter of fact, it's it, it like... It describes this guy's life. And this is what he was for a huge, huge part of his life. Now, his name was Jacob. And uh, in case you're in here, your name's Jacob. We're sorry, it's not about you. It's about this guy uh, that we read about here in the Bible. And I want to give you some information about him. First, Jacob was a guy that tried to manipulate life, wife probably too, uh, life to make it work out the way he wanted all the time. I mean, he tried to make his life and even the people around him uh, operate on his terms. Now, he even did this from the time he was in his mom in the womb, all right? If we read in the Bible how his mom, Rebecca, uh, she was pregnant, and she was pregnant with twins, 
Jacob and Esau. Well, inside her, her stomach, they were actually fighting. Uh, you can read this in the Bible. She's like, hey, these, these boys are going at it, and they're not even born yet. Well, then the day comes, and she has the babies. Well, apparently Jacob lost the initial fight in the womb because Esau came out first. But if you read, Esau came out first, but Jacob reached out and grabbed hold of his heel like, oh, no, you don't. I'm coming, you know. And, and so from the beginning, Jacob was trying to manipulate and get his own way, get things to go the way he wanted. Now, the interesting part about that is it's very important is the firstborn, back in this culture, the firstborn are the ones who got all, they got the biggest inheritance, they got the biggest rights, they were like the head of the family once dad passed away. And so who came out first was a big, big deal in this culture. Now, Jacob wanted his way so bad that as he got older, he even manipulated and kind of coerced and uh, in a way tricked his brother into selling that birthright to him. So Jacob ended up, he made it look, you got to sell it to me. So he did. And once, once Jacob got his way, once Jacob manipulated his brother into selling that firstborn, all those rights to him, um, he thought, I, I imagine he thought things are going to be great now because, you know, I'm going to be the man. Well, it didn't happen that way. He manipulated, and then he ended up in a crisis. Um, just a little while later, his brother's like, I'm going to kill you. I am, and literally, I'm going to kill you. Now, Esau was a hunter, and he could kill him, and so Jacob had to run from his, for his life. And as a matter of fact, he and his future family had to be afraid of Esau uh, for years that, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to die. So I want to say it again. Jacob's life didn't turn out the way he thought. He manipulated things, and that's, that's what he did. But he's trying to get this one result, but it never really worked out that way. He didn't get what he was trying to force people to do. As a matter of fact, um, he ended up further, he ended up like far away from that. And I think that happens to us. Um, in times when we try to manipulate people and have life on our own terms, a lot of the time we end up further away from our goal than when we actually started. So as we're running around this track, uh, that's kind of a little bit about Jacob, and I added a little extra. Um, so as he's running around the track with us, I think Jacob might tell us some things. And here, here's the first thing we think he would say. When your life is not turning out the way you thought, let God start driving. Let God start driving. He knows the, the right road to take. I think this is one of the first things, because Jacob tried to drive much, much of his life. This makes me think of something. Um, a little while back, we were with some friends, and they had a, they have some kids, and one of the one of the little ones got this new game, this new video game, and had a little, I don't know, some sort of tablet, and he's like, hey, do you want to play? Sure, sure, I'll play. So he says, okay, this is what you do. Great. So I take it, and I start to play. So I've got it. You know, I'm, I, I got it. And I start it. He's like, no, 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 you do. Wait, I mean, I just, here, I got to try to. He's like, he like takes it off kind of the side. No, no, do, do, you need to do this, this. I'm like, okay, yeah, okay. And so I start to do it. No, wait, wait, wait. You got to do this and this and this. And pretty soon, he's like over here with the game. And I'm, apparently I'm playing, you know, but he's doing it all. He asked me if I wanted to. said, here, here, you know, you can do it. You can drive. Um, but he took it. Well, I think we, um, you know, I didn't really like that very much either. But um, <laughs> I think we do that to God as adults. God, I want you to, to, to drive. See, we want to let God drive, or Jacob would tell us that, but we, here's something. We should let God drive all the time, all the time. I think we do this. I think we say, God, I need your help. 
I need you to drive here because apparently I'm a little bit lost. And then God starts driving and, you know, all right, we're going. And then, oh, God, that's my career. I, I think I, I got that. I got that figured out. Here, 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 God, let me, let me, let me do that. And then, and then a little bit later, you know, wait, God, I need some help. And he's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to, and then we're like, wait, no, no, that has to do with my money. God, let me, oh, no, I got this one. I got, God, I'm, I'm going I'm to drive. I got it. Sorry, sorry, sorry. And, and our, we, I think we do that with our relationships. I think we do that with our kids. And did I say we do that with our money? I think I might have said that already. Um, when we do it this way, it leads to a crisis. When we say, God, mm, I want you to drive, but then we actually just drive ourselves. Um, it takes us where Jacob went. I think I'm smart enough. I think I can do it. I think I, I got this figured out. I know where I'm going. And we end up further from where we wanted to go than when we actually started. Um, Jacob, I, I think he would tell us, guys, you, you got to... You, you, you got to get that straight. Jacob went through a crisis when he tried to manipulate. You and I will go through crisis when we try to manipulate life on our own terms instead of God's terms. And here's something that God never asked me about, so he didn't get my opinion. Um, but God will allow you to go through crisis he will let you go through crisis, and here's why. Because a lot of times, that's a really great way to get your attention to let you know you don't know where you're going. Uh, I'm going to read you a quote from Mother Teresa. It's in, it's in your handout. She said this, you will never know God is all you need. It's about crisis here until he is all you have. The only place you're going to be happy, I promise you, is when you let God drive. I think if Jacob was here with us today, he'd say, you know, if you let God drive, some major things happen in your life, and we're going to look at a couple of those things, okay? First off, I think Jacob would say, you'll find a new strength. You'll find a new strength. Now, Jacob, as Chad said, lived in fear of his brother for years and years and years, but then there was a time God said, go back home. And so Jacob is thinking, my brother Esau is going to meet us. He's going to kill me. This is going to be horrible, but God's telling us we've got to go. And so by this time, he's a rich guy. He's got a big family. He's got lots of cattle and possessions. And so they're like this caravan across the desert, you know. And, but as he gets closer to home, this fear gets a hold of him. And he decides, you know what, I'm going, to, I'm going to divide the camp and put all the family here and go out there. And if Esau kills me, then at least they survive. So he divides the people, and now he's about to... See his brother the next day, and we're going to jump into the story here in Genesis chapter 32. So this was after he had divided the, the people, right? This left Jacob all alone in the camp. He went off by himself at night. And a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. So this man was God in, uh, appearing in this Old Testament form. The angel of the Lord is a phrase we see in, in the Old Testament describing when God would deal with people like this. And so they're having a wrestling match, and it's kind of mysterious. Like, of course, God could beat him or whatever, but instead God decides to do something that would make a difference in the rest of Jacob's life. He touched his hip and changed him. You know, guys, uh, we wrestle with God, don't we? I don't know about you, but there's times it's like he's trying to take the wheel. And I'm like, no, no, no. You know, he's trying to, to guide me. Well, some of us might be wrestling with God today. And it could be just like Jacob. There's some crisis in your life. He's allowed this crisis. And he's getting your attention to say, no, no, let, let me help. Let me guide. I have something better for you. 
And why does he do this? To, to be mean and to beat us up? No, just the opposite. Because he loves us. Just like a good parent will allow that child occasionally to go ahead and hurt themselves a little bit so they'll learn. You know, they keep telling them, don't reach on top of the stove. It could be hot. And they reach up there and they let them, well, that burner's still a little warm. And, you know, little, little Johnny's now got a little, little bitty burn and he's learned a lesson. The parents don't take any pleasure in the pain, but they know little Johnny's got to learn and be, be careful. This is what God does in our lives with crisis. He, he allows it to happen to teach us that we really, really need him. And if we're the kind of person that we insist on being self-reliant, here's, here's a good sign that you're doing that. You're exhausted because <laughs> you're depending on yourself, trying to figure out every situation and come up with all the answers. And obviously, you're not God, and so you don't get it right all the time, and you're just wearing yourself out. Now, we, we want to take this point about new strength really deep this morning. So let's look at what Jesus said about this. Jesus is talking about us allowing God to have control. Look what he said in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle in heart, and will give, you will find rest for your souls. Jesus is saying, Come, you guys who are wearing yourself out, trying to figure it out, trying to control your life, and you're exhausted. Come, come, come. I want to help you out. And, and it's just such a beautiful passage. He says, take my yoke upon you. And a yoke was a wooden frame that they would make to put two, like, cattle, bulls or oxen or whatever, and they could pull this yoke with a plow attached behind. And these two oxen, bulls, working together, could plow a field with the farmer behind guiding the plow. And so Jesus takes this metaphor, they would all get it, a yoke, and he would say, take my yoke upon you. And so he's saying, get the picture, you should be living life in tandem with me. It's a two-guy thing, me and you together. And even more specifically, in that culture, Jesus was a carpenter, you remember that? Well, people understood that carpenters, this is one of the main things they made to help farmers, because they would come and they would really measure the, the ox and so they would customize the yoke to fit perfectly. So this ox could pull that yoke and pull that plow all day long and not get blistered and beat up and hindered by a yoke that didn't fit. Guys, God says to us, I have a yoke that fits you. My will for you is perfect. It's customized to fit you so that as we go forward in life, you make real progress. And you're not exhausted. You're not pulling against me. We're pulling together. And it's real important to understand that He's not saying, if you're really wore out and trying to do life yourself, go take a vacation. You know, that's kind of what we think. I just need a vacation. We have that phrase in our culture, don't we? He's saying, no, no, no. It's not about not working. It's about working the right way. Here, rest is not inactivity. When he says, I will give you rest, he's saying, get in the right yoke that I have fitted for you. And here is the difference. In this yoke, you're living life in such a way that you're not being worn out. You're not frustrated and exhausted and making lots of mistakes all the time because you're in the yoke God's made for you and you're going his way. Let's drill down just a little more and look at one more verse on this topic. In the Old Testament book of Isaiah, we have Isaiah the prophet encouraging people with the same mentality of dependence upon God. Look what Isaiah says. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. There it is, new strength. They will soar on high like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. 
They will walk and not faint. So picture an eagle up in the mountains. When the eagles live in mountains, they build their nest way up on the side of a mountain, and it's amazing what they can do. They can get on the edge of their nest and jump off and flap their big wings one time and catch an updraft. And that heated thermal updraft air will just take them up thousands of feet in the air, and they can just soar up there all day. And what are they doing? They're just soaring. You know, they're not flapping because that thermal has carried them up, and they're up there thousands of feet up in the air looking for something on the ground that they can eat. Now, you got the eagle picture. Now, turn that around and picture a hummingbird. And what's a hummingbird do all day? I mean, he's just doing this so fast you can't even see his wings. And that's why he has to eat constantly because he has to burn so many calories to just stay alive and go all day long like that. Well, when we are allowing God to drive our life, to create this yoke that fits us perfectly, he can, become, he can give us this new strength. And instead of like the hummingbird, we get to be like the eagle and we get to fly in life without flapping all the time. Now, I think Jacob would also tell us another benefit, and I think he would say another benefit of being in the passenger seat and letting God drive would be this. Um, you'll get the right identity. This is, this is actually really big. Too many times in life, I know I've done it, and, and I would guess that some of you folks in here have done it. We, we try to play the wrong part in the play of life. We, we try to be somebody else instead of who God made us to be. You know, we, we try to read the wrong part of the script. And, and we're like, well, I want to I be Fred. I want to be Fred. And God's like, you're not Fred. You know, you're John, but I want to be Fred. You know, I love Fred. Fred has all this stuff. And Fred, and I wish I could have a life. Well, no, but that's not, that's not who you are. And, and so when we do that, we, we struggle. We struggle all the time. trying to. We, we don't know who we are. We don't know where we're going. But when we let drive, God drive, he gives us the part that we're intended for. He gives us the right identity. I want to read you. This is in the same story that Ed was reading about Jacob wrestling with the, you know, this, this angel of the Lord. And uh, in part of that, here, here's what happens. The, the angel of the Lord asks. He says, what is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob replied, Jacob. And then the guy said this. Your name will no longer be Jacob. He's changing his identity. The man told him, from now on, you will be called Israel. Now, this is big. All right? Now, you don't have to go get your name changed at the courthouse today, okay? But we're talking about just your identity of who you are from, from here. Uh, Jacob, the actual name means manipulator or, or trickster. And that's exactly what this guy was. That's ex I mean, his mama named him perfectly uh, to start with. Um, that, but that's not who he was born to be. That wasn't God's plan for him. Um, after this struggle with God, God says, okay, here you go. Here's your real identity. Your real identity is Israel, which means prince with God. Okay, that's huge. It's a massive change. Um, things actually started changing in, in Jacob's life after that. God has the right, the, the, the fitting identity for you. When God looks at me and you, he sees possibilities, he sees what he made us to be. He sees like, this is who you really are, and I want to help you be that person. I, I want you to, I want you to, to make it, and, and if God says it, then you can do it. 
If God gives something to you, he gives you everything you need to make it. And, and so uh, God wants to drive us. He wants to give us new strength. He wants to, wants to give us our real, our true identity. And now I think y'all, I think y'all are grasping that. So I want to look at, at some advice from Jacob's life. Okay, we want to look at some advice. And, and, and this first one, I've got to be honest, I don't, Chad speaking, I don't like this first one so much because of what it, you know, but, you know, again, God didn't ask me because he's smarter than me. Good thing. Um, here it is. Here's some advice from Jacob's life. We think rock bottom is a good place to meet God. Rock bottom is a, I'm going to say, a great place to meet God. Jacob was at the bottom, okay? His brother's going to kill him. I mean, I mean, he's like in a bad shape. Well, and he met God. I want to read you something here, Psalm 51, 17. Heart-shattered lives, ready for love, don't for a moment escape God's notice. If you hit rock bottom, like, I, I can't get any lower than this, God sees this. God knows this. He doesn't ignore. He's like, I can help. It's a great place to meet God. Now, the good news is, um, you know, if you're at rock bottom, I guess this isn't really good news, but it means you've messed up, you've made mistakes, you've gone the wrong way, you've tried to live life on your own terms, and you found out you're not that smart. Um, the good thing is God's not looking for us to be perfect. That means I'm in, you know, because, you know, we need to have a sign, I think, out somewhere about the doors, you know, perfect people are not allowed at Ignite Church because, uh, <laughs> you know, but God's not expecting us to be perfect. What he's looking for is this. He's looking for someone who knows that they need him. Crisis will let you know you need help. Um, I've been here, folks. I've been here at the bottom and thinking, all right, I don't know anything. I thought I was smart, but I'm not. I thought I could do things on my own, but I can't because everything I've done amounts to nothing. Uh, I got nothing. Well, and then to have God say, okay, finally, <laughs> finally you understand that. Now let's, let's hook up and let's go somewhere. And uh, he wants to do that for you. God is so, so, he's looking for that. Then um, you have a couple options, okay? So I, I, know, I know today in America we need options. We need choices. Here's your options. You can hold on to who you think you should be or you can let go of that. And let God make you who you really are. Those are your options. Um, I wonder what other piece of advice we can get from Jacob. Here's one more. In the journey of life, it's best to take the passenger seat. We could have said to choose the passenger seat, to not ever get in the driver's seat, to let God drive. Look at what Jesus said. Calling to the crowd to join his disciples, he said, Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Let me lead. Let me lead. Picture this. We'll, we'll keep using this driving metaphor. You're in the car and you're in the driver's seat. And you realize that, okay, uh, I, I've got to let God drive up. I've tried to say, well, Lord, what, what's your suggestions? Like, you know, uh, Chad saying, you ought to turn here. Well, I'll consider it. You, you've tried that, but he didn't just make suggestions a lot. He's like, let me lead her. It's not going to work. So you, you say, okay. So you pull over on the side of the street. You get out of the car. 
you go around, he slides over, and he's in the, the driver's seat, and you get in the passenger seat, and you're like, okay, don't know exactly what God's going to do, but, you know, he may drive slow or fast, but okay, I'm ready. And what does God do? He gets all, you know, situated in the driver's seat, puts it in gear, and he does a U-turn and heads the other way with your life. That's what he wants to do sometimes because we're going the opposite way we need to go. And uh, this brings me to a question. Um, are you willing to let God really take control of your life? Chad mentioned these areas earlier about our relationships, our finances, our career. Are we really willing to say, okay, God, whatever. My, my daughter just changed careers up in Waco. She was uh, doing one job, and God put it in her heart to look into something else. And within days, she's got a new job. It just amazed us how fast God did this. She was willing to let him turn it. It was scary, and she questioned it, and we were like, okay. You know, as her parents were trying to support her and encourage her, but God, and God just did it. Now she's all excited, and I get to go up and help her move stuff tomorrow in Waco. Anyway, <laughs> but that's, it's all good. It's all good. Well, let, let me go ahead and finish my, my road trip story. So I'm driving along thinking I'm on the right highway, and I'm in the middle of New Orleans, rush hour traffic. I'm being stressed out. There's traffic all over. It's like Houston in the worst traffic. And I go through all that, and it's just horrible. And it's just stressing me out, and I'm finally getting through it. And I see this sign saying, I-10 merging with I-12 heading to I-59 North. And I'm like, merge? What? What? What Merge? And I look over at Lori, well, no, this way. I look over at Lori, and she's like, I tried to tell you. I tried to tell you. So I wasted about an hour going out of our way, lots of driving stress, and it didn't exactly help the marriage. Okay, all right, all right. So we, we, we have to take a look at this, folks. I, I got a map. We, all right. So here, here's what Ed did. And by the way, earlier he said he was going to New Orleans. I think he still hasn't let go of all this and, because he really wasn't supposed to go to New Orleans at all. Can y'all see that little red dot? Let me get down. All right. So Ed comes in on I-10. Is this what you did, by the yeah, way? Yeah, Comes in me. and right here. That's me. Right, right, right there. Ed was supposed to listen and let somebody else be in control and go this way. Catch here and go up. That's what he was supposed to do. But because Ed had to be... Ed, and uh, <laughs> he decided to go this way. He's like, I ain't going to listen. I'm doing it my own way. And so he goes all the way out of the way, way down to New Orleans, uh, the traffic, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And on back, finally, and he finally, he finally, you got where you're supposed to go? Yeah, fine. Okay. But because of all this, I'm surprised that you guys are even still married. Fortunately, Lori likes the water, and the Lake Pontchartrain view from the bridge there has saved me a little bit. Well, let's look at one more piece of advice from Jacob's life. Here's our last piece of advice. When you live life on God's terms, you find real fulfillment. We don't use these terms in our culture, but this is really what people are looking for. If you could boil down what do people really want in life, it's to be fulfilled. To feel like my life means something and, and I've got a sense. I'm not just happy and have stuff, whatever, but, but my life matters. There's, there's a sense of fulfillment, meaning, and purpose. Well, Jacob ultimately found that. He fought God tooth and nail and it took him a while, but he began to live life on God's terms 
By the way, you could read the rest of the story, but Esau didn't kill him. They actually reconcile, and it's all good, but go read it. It's so good there in Genesis. But here, here's a scripture I think that Jacob would say. This really uh, says what he learned in his life with God about letting God have control, bringing real fulfillment. This is from the book of Romans, chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. Paul the Apostle is writing these folks. He's been encouraging them to let God lead their life like we're talking about today. And he makes it real practical and down to earth. Look at what he says. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Take your life and say, God, here I am. My career, my everyday, my hobbies, my money, my relationships. Place it before God as an offering embracing what God does for you as the best thing you can do for Him. Now, readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. As, as God says, let's go this way, and He's wanting to pull the yoke of your life this way, pick up on that and go with it. Go with the flow of this God's direction in your life. Unlike the culture all around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you. Remember Chad talking about possibilities and the future that God sees he has for you? God brings the best out of you, and he develops well-formed maturity in you. Only living life God's way brings us real fulfillment. God brings out the best in our lives. He brings us to a place of maturity. He grows us up, and we begin to have what? I believe is what we really want more than anything else, real fulfillment in this life. So, where are you? Who's, excuse me, <coughs> who's driving? Are you driving or are you letting God drive? Listen, I've driven plenty, you know, so, but, but where are you? You might be somebody, uh, you're like, I'm driving, well, I, we want, I, I want to give you something to do, and this is something we really believe in, and we do this often here, actually, and, and that's this. Uh, in your handout, you have a, a little question with some lines, and it says this, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? God wants to start driving your life. I, I'll tell you that now. I don't even have to ask. I know that to be true, but he, he knows specifically how to communicate that and you know, how to make it the little light bulb go off. And, and so I want, I want everybody here to, to do exactly this. I want you to ask this question to God. So we're going to take just a second. Uh, I'm going to ask it, but you all just kind of ask it with me, all right? Uh, uh, so here we go. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? Anything he says into your heart, write it, write it down. That, that's why we have those lines there. Please keep, keep listening. Uh, you might be somebody that says, okay, I, I don't have a relationship with God. I'm, he's not even in the car, uh, much less driving. Um, how, how, how do I get him in the car? Well, it's easy. I mean, it's, a, it's an easy thing to do. Um, you say, God, uh, please, please forgive me. I'm, I've been driving without you all this time. I need your help. 
He wants to help. He wants to give you real strength. He wants to give you your identity. He wants to take you the, the best direction. He sees the great possibilities of your life. All you have to do is ask. I, God, I'm sorry. For, forgive me where I've messed up, and please fill my life up with your, your presence. Please take me. You drive, and he, he will. Um, I think we should ask God to be our best friend. He'll never let you down. I mean, people friends are fantastic. And I, I think we should ask God to be our best friend and, and, and just be there with us now while we're on earth and even forever, you know, in eternity. We believe that we, you know, go somewhere. And um, God, will you, you do this for me? Please come into my life. He wants to do that. And as a matter of fact, we want to, we're, we're about to head out of here this morning, but we want to give you the opportunity to have somebody pray for you one-on-one, -on -one, you know, personally uh, about this. Uh, or anything else you might need this morning. Um, something, you know, just anything you came with, people want to pray for you, but specifically they want to pray, um, hey, you want to let, let God start driving? Let, let's pray for you. Let, let's help. Um, if, or maybe God's not even been in the car. Let's get him in the car and then we'll you know, let him start driving. They want to pray for you guys. And so just a second we head out, we will have people here ready and willing to pray for you and, and take the time you need because this is a big deal. I think Jacob's life gave us some great stuff, um, great stuff to let God start driving. He always knows which way to go. He'll never take the wrong road or, or anything like that. He's always going to go the right direction. So if you all would, please just uh, stand up with us. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that on the road trip of life, you know the best route for each of our lives. You have a yoke custom-made for our lives that fits us perfectly and allows us to go and be and experience and enjoy all you have of yourself, your kingdom, and for our life as well. Lord, today, we just say afresh, Lord, take the wheel. Show us where we're grabbing and fighting you for it. Help us be people who really get it. Lord, bless these folks. Let your presence and your joy fill their lives this week, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.